Hi, this is Charles Kelly Money Tips. Today I want to talk about investing decisions and how they are more emotional and based on your emotional state, your mindset, than you think. It's not just about logic and ticking boxes. And we'll talk about the, the psychology of investing. This is very important because this can have a big sway on the type of decisions that you make. It's often thought that investing is just about emo, uh, you know, emotionless decisions, a tick box, a spreadsheet, and that people are just investing just based on, on uh, logic alone. But that's not the case. There's always that human factor and the emotional side that comes into play. And I want to go for a number of points. First one is fear and greed. Uh, do you remember the contrarian investor quote? Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors of all time, said that be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. In other words, when the herd and the pack are saying, right, the market's going up, let's invest, let's buy shares, let's buy property. You know, everything's booming and the banks are lending money. They always lend money at the top of the market. You know, that's the time when a contrarian investor will be a little bit fearful, a bit cautious because they say maybe the ride is over. You know, famously, uh, the father of uh, President John F. Kennedy uh, said, I can't think of his first name now, uh, but he said uh, he, he got out of the, the stock market when the shoeshine boy was telling him to get into stock, saying, oh, we've got to get in the stocks, we're going to make a lot of money, and that sort of thing. And, and he got out, and of course, he, he saved his family fortune because he got out in time. And, and that's often the same during a property boom or other stock market booms when everyone's jumping on the bandwagon, whether it be crypto or whatever it is, just be fearful at that time. And, and often our decisions are based on, you know, what the market's doing, what the herd is doing. And, and sometimes you can think, well, the market's going up at the moment, so now I want to invest. Uh, but when the market's going down and when it's at the bottom, nobody wants to invest. They're always thinking, well, it's going to keep going down. So it, it just needs, I'm not saying you can always time the market. I'm not saying that, but don't just follow the herd and, and just follow, you know, something that you read or a tip and that, and that sort of thing. Or because your friends down the pub are saying, well, now's the time to buy this or buy that or get into crypto or get into property. Those are often the, the wrong kind of thing. So you need to be self-aware. Number two is the aversion to loss. Um, fear of losses can be a powerful, uh, 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 a powerful put off against investing. Right? A lot of people will just keep their money in a bank account, uh, earning very low interest rates for years and years and years. Um, you, you know, I was talking recently about somebody that has got several hundred thousand pounds in a bank account earning peanuts. I mean, at the last time I went to see the, the bank with, with her, the bank had not even put up rates since the several interest rate rises. And they were leaving this money in the account earning less than 1%, which is, and when you think you've got inflation running at, at that time, 10%, you know, that money's losing 10% of its buying power every year. But because people are frightened of putting their money into, say, a fund or a stock market-based investment, which can go down as well as up, and obviously you should take advice before you do that, uh, because they're, they're scared of losing, they, they ha hang on to that money in the bank, but they don't realize that they're already losing because of inflation. They're losing because the value of cash over time is going down. So it's not um, a risk-free investment, if you like, when you've got inflation coming into play. Um, you know, if you think of trying to buy, save for a house, for instance, just by saving cash, you could never do it because the price of the asset would go up faster than the price of paper-based money will go up. You're with me on that, right? So understanding that emotional bias can uh, can can help you. Um, you know, at the same time, you don't want to be the opposite and just, you know, uh, just, just go gung-ho into everything, every type of risky share or risky investment. I mean, in terms of 
invest in in, in funds. Usually things like uh, index tracker funds are, are generally safer than going into, say, emerging market funds and, and higher risk funds. So a good advisor will uh, you know, calculate your uh, risk profile. And if you're a low risk investor, they'll put you into things that are, are not so volatile in terms of the markets going up and down. But again, you've got to take it. I'm not your financial advisor. Just be aware um, that you may have lost in the past. Maybe you invested in, in one share in the past. I knew someone that bought one share and it went down. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily a risky share. It just went down and they never invested in shares again. They sold it at the bottom. They, oh, it's gone down. Boom, sold it. Like 50% loss and, and never went into the stock market again. Maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you bought a property uh, at the wrong time in the wrong market or you had a bad tenant and you've sold that property. I, you know, I, I know people who've done that. They've, they've just had one bad tenant, sold that property at a loss uh, and never wanted to touch property again, apart from their residential home. Well, just be aware of that. You know, maybe you've had a loss in the past that's um, made you overly cautious about investing in the future. And then there's the role of cognitive bias in investment. Um, and this is where, you know, you've got a bias against a certain thing because your brain is telling you this. Um, there's, there's things like anchoring bias. Anchoring uh, bias occurs when investors are fixated on a, a certain reference point. Uh, it can be the price of the, the in, a certain index or a certain uh, calculation of index. It could be the Schiller factor or anything like that, that, that you just fixate, fixate on one thing. And that can lead to irrational decisions. Maybe you follow a particular guru that says, do this or do that. They, they can get it wrong. You know, I, I know one um, particular guru that keeps saying the market's going, going to crash. He's been saying it for about four or five years. Uh, and, you know, Harry, 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 um, uh, Harry Rant, is Harry, sorry, his name's gone now, Harry Dent. Uh, he's, he's been talking about the market crash for, for so long but then he'll come back and say, well, it's going to crash, it's going to crash, but the government keeps pumping money in and, and the Fed and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, if you follow that guy all the time, you know, maybe eventually you'll get it right, but you can't just, um, you know, just look at one thing. Now, investors like uh, Warren Buffett will not just follow the herd. They're not just looking at the market index. They invest, they make the decision on research and proper research. So if he's buying into a company, he will research that company and look at the value of the share, not just the price. The stock price is like the sticker price. That's not necessarily the value of that, that company. The value of the company is based on the research that you do, the PE ratio, that the likelihood of that company making money in the future. Has it made money in the past? And usually the blue chip stocks, the, the, the main kind of stocks in the main indexes, like the FT100 index, the, the uh, Dow Jones or the NASDAQ or, or the S&P 500 index, they are the top companies and they're generally safer than investing in startups or the latest IPO, most of which lose money in their first year, certainly did in the last year. So, so don't be anchored into one type of index or one type of decision-making process. Then there's the, the second is confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is the tendency to seek out information that supports your pre-existing beliefs while ignoring evidence to the contrary. So if you follow somebody like Harry Dent and he's saying the market's going down, then whatever anybody else is saying, whatever the, the facts are, that you know there might be good opportunities to invest in, in the year, you know, you're, you're going to be uh, looking for that confirmation bias and you'll, you'll, be, you'll be looking out for other 
uh, gurus and other speakers and other indexes that say, no, no, the market's going down. So you, you might not do anything for five years, in, in, at which time the markets continue to go up. Now, I'm not saying that he's wrong. The market could crash. And I think there is a, a strong possibility this year that there will be a big correction in the stock market and maybe property prices as well. But you've, you've got to make your own decisions on that. Don't get stuck into one thing or another. So actively just, you know, seeking diverse opinions and options and, and actual research. So, you know, Warren Buffett is not going to just listen to Harry Dent or any other anybody else that's saying this, that and the other. He will do his research on the particular company he wants to buy. And when he buys that company, he usually sticks with it for the long term. He's not just buying and, and selling the same week or, or trying to make a quick buck on a stock going up or down. He's investing for the long term. And that's where most of the great investors do that. They call them value based investors. That's another word from him. Now, look at the importance, the importance also of emotional intelligence in investing. The emotional intelligence is not just about uh, intelligence in, in terms of IQ. It's emotional intelligence. And it's things like self-awareness, being aware of your, yourself, your, your own biases, your own opinions, your own upbringing. And developing that social uh, self-awareness is crucial for investors to recognize their emotional triggers and, and biases. Now, by understanding this, uh, their own risk and, and tolerance of, of the emotional response will be will be lessened. That the the risk the risk will be less, and investors can make decisions aligned with their long term financial goals rather than just succumbing to short term market fluctuations or the latest trends or jumping on the bandwagon, as it were. Then there's patience and discipline. Now, I've always said this that investing is a long term uh, thing. It's not just a get rich quick scheme. And, and when I talk in my in my uh, courses and my 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 webinars and my podcasts and that sort of thing, I talk about investing as a long term, just like Warren Buffett is investing for the long term. Most property investors I know invest for the long term. You know, don't wait to buy property, buy property and wait, as they say. So emotional investing uh, and, and emotional intelligence, are, sometimes it, the lack of that, if, if you're just emotionally investing, can often lead to impulsive actions if you're not careful. So cultivating patience and the discipline is vital for investors to risk the urge to make snap decisions. Um, like, for instance, um, you know, when you've invested in a fund and, and the fund has gone up for a year or two, but then it, then there's a dip. And sometimes you, you can miss the dip. You know, there's been a correction and, you know, the, 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 the value of that share of that fund has gone down. And there's a temptation to panic and sell because it's gone down by 10 percent. Uh, and sometimes you've got to ride it out. You know, sometimes you've got to wait and realize that, you know, the, the, the value of Apple shares, they may have gone down today, but it doesn't mean you have to sell them. But over the long term, they, they will go up because it's a good company. Um, and, and similar thing with you know, just jumping on the bandwagon. So patience, discipline and, and self-awareness, emotional intelligence are all, always important for the long term investor. And that's why mindset comes in to many things, whether it's property, stocks and shares or whatever, anything you invest in, mindset is so important. And I want to talk also about your 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 past experience and your background and upbringing. You know, there's a saying that uh, Americans spend more money on lottery tickets than the movies, uh, video games, sporting events and books combined. And that comes from this book, actually, The Psychology of Money. You probably can't see that. Uh, there you go. Uh, by Morgan Hulsell. I'll give him that that um, uh, reference there. He said that in The Psychology of Money. And what he's saying is that and, and most of the people who invest the most in lottery are the lowest income households. 
Um, the lowest income households in America spent over $400 a year on lottery tickets, four times the amount that anyone had spent in higher income groups. So people buying the most in lottery tickets, um, you know, especially in terms of their income, um, they are uh, the people, the same people that they don't have any savings. They can't come up with four hundred dollars uh, in an emergency, like when they lose their job. You know, you see these interviews outside of uh, a factory gate when someone's been laid off and they, there's a big group of people coming out and they, they interview them. And they say, yeah, I've been with this company for 20 years and now they've laid me off and I can't manage till the end of next week. You know, by the end of this month, I'll pay my mortgage. But after that, I haven't got any money left. So after 20 years of working, they've got no savings. And yet those same lower income groups will gladly spend $412 a year on, on lottery tickets when they've only got a one in a million chance of ever winning. I mean, the UK lottery, I think, is a one in 14 million chance of winning the jackpot. OK, and yet they, they, they give up their savings for, for a gamble on, on the lottery. Now, look, we can be snobby about it and criticize those people. Think about their emotions. Think about how they feel when they're buying a lottery ticket. You know, maybe these are people that live in a, a small town. They've got one job in a factory or in a in a in a bar, and and there's no other prospects for them. And and they've got these blinkers on, and they can't see the bigger picture out there. They can't see the bigger world. They can't think about improving themselves. But all they can think about is that they've got no chance in life. You know, they haven't. They've got no prospect of ever. Uh, been up there with the people they see on TV and the influencers they see on Instagram driving around in big cars. They can never see that possibility of ever getting there themselves. So their only chance of ever experiencing that lifestyle is perhaps to say buy a lottery ticket and hope that they will one day get that jackpot and then they can have the car of their dreams and the house of their dreams in Beverly Hills and live that that Instagram lifestyle, which is actually probably doesn't exist for most of them. most of these these influencers are pretty fake in their their, their lifestyles um, and and that's that's the way they can see it so they think well I'll buy this lottery ticket and and then I've got a chance of having the finer things in life but don't think just because you are in a better position than them that you're middle class or you're, you're up there in terms of higher income you're in the higher income bracket don't think that you are not you're averse to this this, this emotional decision making process because uh, even if you're rich or middle class, um, you, you also make decisions based on your emotionals and your upbringing and past experience can have a, a big effect on that. Now look, I mean, think about people who've lived through recessions and even depressions. Now, you might not know anybody that lived through a depression, but when I was growing up, I, I knew a lot of people that lived through that 1930s period, you know, your grandparents and that sort of thing. And, and their decisions were very different than, than, you know, than, than somebody that had never experienced that. You know, if you've lived through... Um, uh, the, the a big recession or, or depression with, you know, 20 years of depression, you know, you're going to be very averse to taking any risk. Similarly, if you've lived for a period, you know, in the 1950s when the stock markets didn't go up very much, you know, you're not going to be thinking about stocks and shares in the same way that someone who's lived through, you know, the last 10 years where the stock markets have boomed and you've had low interest rates. You've had you know, very little in terms of a recession compared to those people who've lived through that. And I've lived through several recessions. So I, I tend to think differently to, to, to a younger person that's never seen a bad recession or never seen higher interest rates or, or inflation at 20%. So think about your background and how that might affect you. You know, maybe you've been brought up in a poor family like I have. It might make you think very differently from someone who's brought up in a very wealthy family. I mean, 
you know, look at the royal family in the, in Britain. They don't even think about it. They don't even carry money. You know, that's how uh, money is so vulgar. I don't, I don't even carry money. One doesn't carry money. But, you know, they've got billions, not billions, but they've got hundreds of millions sitting there, but they don't carry cash around. It's just a, a thing with them. Uh, so they've never had to worry about money in their life. You know, they never had to think about when the next where the next meal is coming from. So that could also cloud your decisions. It could cloud your decisions and, and maybe make you limited in, in terms of where you think you can go in life. You know, you might be limited by your past experience, your past family background. But 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 remember, you know, just because you come from a poor family, a rich family can come from you. So don't think you're tied into your past as long as you're self-aware. And this is where emotions come in. So it's also true of most decisions in life are are based on emotions. Think about how you might choose a spouse or, you know, buy a certain product. It, it's not just about, you know, you don't choose a spouse based on a checklist and, and a spreadsheet. You know, I'll think about that person or that person. It's, it's emotional. It's, it's, you think with your heart. Same with a house. You know, most people make a decision on a property almost the moment they walk in. They think, right, within seconds, they've decided they like that, that property. Within seconds, we decide whether or not we like or trust a person. So all these things are based on emotions. It's the same thing with investment. So think about that. Think about you know, people who make seemingly irrational decisions for the wrong reasons, like they sell at the bottom of the market, even though their advisors saying, don't sell, this is the worst time to sell or the worst time to buy. You know, Think about that. As I said, Warren Buffett knows that it's important to be fearful when everyone else around them is brave and vice versa. So in conclusion, then, investing is not purely a rational endeavor. Emotions play a significant part and understanding this and understanding your emotions can make you a better investor. Having that patience and, and taking that long-term perspective can, can really uh, uh, make you a better and, and more competent investor. So embracing the psycho psychological aspects of investing and money, uh, the psychology of money, in other words, can make you a better investor. So for more of this, do check out my podcast, like and subscribe, but also look out for my weekly webinars on a Wednesday evening at 8pm. I'll put up a link for that. Click me to join my weekly web webinar where I'll take you through the three steps to, to getting control of your money and to building your long-term finances so that you can become financially free. So that's all for now. This is Charles Kelly Money Tips. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.